Grand Canyon University makes earning your degree possible with over 130 academic programs for traditional campus students with more than 80 bachelor's programs offered online. GCU provides you with the personal support you need from complimentary unofficial transcript evaluations within 24 business hours to scholarships, academic support, and your GCU graduation team led by your own university counselor. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Welcome to Sunday School Dropouts, the podcast where an ex-Christian and a non-believing sort of Jew read all the way through the Bible for the first time. I'm Lauren O'Neill. And I'm Nico Bakulich. And let's get biblical. So today we're talking about the book of Ruth. But before we do that, um, we're going to do the customary thing where we describe to you which one of those things we are. <laughs> I'm the non-believing sort of Jew. This is Nico. Hey. <laughs> I'm the ex-Christian. I was raised a Presbyterian. And I'm now an atheist. Uh, I'm reading the NIV, the New International Version. And I'm reading the NRSV, New Revised Standard Version of the Bible. Um, And just a reminder, this is not a Christian Bible study podcast. And it is definitely inappropriate for children um, and sometimes talks about violence and sex and sex violence. And it's... Oh, the Bible is really gross sometimes, you guys. Mm -hmm. We learned this last week. It's fucked up. <laughs> Don't let your kids near this. Yeah. Keep your kids out of Sunday school, frankly. Yes. It's not appropriate for children. No, no. Um, it should be given a rating of TVMA. Yes. Rated R mm-hmm. for rockin'. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So okay. today... We're talking about one of the shortest books in Mr. Bibble here. Yes. We're talking uh, about everybody's favorite candy bar, Baby Ruth. Okay. Okay. Which do you like better, the the peanut or the choco? In a, in a Baby Ruth mm-hmm. bar? Baby, all the, every element of Baby Ruth bar combines to make a singular snacking experience. Okay. Well, I'm not denying that. Look, I'm not denying the fine work of the people at the Mars Candy Bar Corporation. Picking a favorite part of a Baby Ruth bar is like picking whether you like air or sunshine better. Mm-hmm. They're, it's all necessary. Yeah, I think I like sunshine better. We're talking about everybody's favorite classic baseball player, uh-huh. Babe Ruth. I don't know anything about Babe Ruth. What do you know about Babe Ruth? I don't know. Was he fat? <laughs> well, I think that's a little harsh. We're going to dig him up and Was he married to Marilyn Monroe? No. <laughs> Was he... See, I, it turns out I know more about Babe Ruth than you do. There you go. Okay. But for real now, we're talking about everybody's favorite White Stripes B-side, Red Bowling Ball Ruth. Okay. We talked about a five-nation army the other week, but not a seven-nation army, of course. Talking about everybody's favorite scion of a wealthy but dysfunctional family. Uh huh. Michael Bluth. 
that's wrong. <laughs> Talking about everybody's favorite smear campaign against a Democratic presidential candidate. Swift vote veterans for truth. Swift vote veterans for Ruth. Talking about mm-hmm. <laughs> talking about everybody's favorite uh, young adult novel, Phantom Tollbooth. Okay. Talking about one half. I was in a play based on the Phantom Tollbooth when I was very young. You were. <laughs> Who were you? Uh, I want to say Milo. Does that make sense? Well, that's like the main character. Are you the lead? Uh, might have been. You might have been the lead in the play and you don't remember? I don't remember very clearly, no. What the hell? Yeah. How old were you? Maybe 10 or something. Okay. When I was 10, I was the lead in the pr- in the play, the school play, The Princess and the Pea. But it was The Princess and the Pizza. Okay. How would you not notice if there was a pizza under your... Doesn't it kind of ruin the... I did notice. That was the point. I was a very but... sensitive princess. I could tell all the toppings on the pizza <laughs> okay, through all the Okay, you tell the toppings. I see. I see. That's how it makes sense. Were there peas on the pizza? Uh, I don't think so. Oh, no, it's a missed opportunity. I think it was. Um, I think it was mainly uh, meats. I think <laughs> it was pepperoni. You think it was just peps? It was just peps, like like Channing Tatum likes. But it also had like I think anchovies was one. Okay. Um, I think you tell that by the smell. You wouldn't need a super sensitive butt or whatever. It's a super sensitive everything, babe. <laughs> okay. That's what made me fit to be the princess sensitivity sensitivity for your people's plight i assume uh yeah i i guess i don't really remember the plot but i definitely remember being the lead and if i feel like if you were the lead you would remember okay so you're i i think i was named milo that's all i got milo is uh the name that my old flip phone used to correct your name to when i still had a flip so in phone. a way i was milo all along Thank you for joining us on Sunday School Dropouts. All right. Nico. <laughs> so, so we're talking about <laughs> one half of everybody's favorite request from Santa <laughs> oh, for Christmas. God, this is, will never end. That's Listeners, right. A front tooth. I may die. <laughs> we're talking about everybody's favorite synonym for detective. A sleuth? sleuth. What are you talking about? Sleuth. We're Let's talking about get... sleuths. <laughs> if they're... Not going to make sense. Can you do them quickly? Uh, Let's do this. <laughs> okay, whatever. Whatever. We'll, we'll talk about Ruth. We'll talk about Ruth. She's a a, a Moabitess. And, a a uh, Moabiter, yeah. An ancestress of Jesus. Every <laughs> single time that it comes up in my Bible, it seriously, it puts S on the end of mm-hmm. everything. Um, my Bible also says this is uh, an exquisitely wrought jewel of Hebrew narrative art. Wow. That's beautiful. Yeah, um, so th- it takes place in in the days the when the judges ruled, yes. is what it says. So this is sort of like floating around in time, around judges, maybe yeah. during? Yeah, so some point during the like several judges that we discussed in the last episode, uh-huh. if you listen to the judges episode, you know um, that's a time when there's a lot of military back and forth. True. Uh, sometimes... Military back and forth, as they say. <laughs> um sometimes president announces a troop surge due to an increase in military back and forth in the conflicted area (laughs) they should use that that would be a great euphemism um but okay so we know that like uh sometimes israelites are being subjugated sometimes they're the ones doing the subjugating true and it it goes back and forth a lot during the period of time described in the book of judges Mm mm-hmm 
Um, so this story takes place during, I guess, a lull in the constant war. It it talks about an Israelite's marriage to a Moabitess. That's right. Which it's, is it's about inter intermarriage. Yeah. And um Israelites are not supposed to do that. No. Because as we know, they immediately start worshiping Baal mm-hmm. and Asherah. They need very few excuses. Yeah. So they're not supposed to intermarry or they will definitely get tempted into worshiping idols. Right. And I remember somebody got speared for having a Moabite girlfriend at one point. Oh, yeah. Like uh, got got speared at the same time. Yeah. The one spear drove through both of them mm-hmm. by Eleazar or something. By... Uh, Ephaniah? No. <laughs> I can't remember that dude's name. That was a great made-up Bible name. Thank you. By, let's say Ephaniah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Prove us wrong. <laughs> we are, listeners, we are surrounded by Bibles at the moment. Right now. <laughs> We've got the faith girls, <laughs> exclamation mark, girls with a Z, mm-hmm. Bible. When I was a teenager, I actually had the teen study Bible. Was it full of relatable day-to-day advice? Yeah, the advice was like, um, don't watch R-rated movies, and like, don't. And then it was it. Then it have a little quote. It was like Corinthians ten ten. Well, it would be like in like it would be like in the book, uh, you know. And then there'd be like a little bubble. Like, right? If you want to be like fucking zipper, yeah, remember yeah, yeah. Not And to... there'd be like a little cartoon of like like a girl with like a like a super perky ponytail, and she would be like. I'm not having sex before marriage. <laughs> I'm part of a harem. <laughs> I'm doing a cool pose you can't see. It's like a cool uh, early 2000s pose. Early 2000s pose? Yeah, you know, like... I remember there was a lot of military back and forth then. Man, what a different time. So <laughs> what else happens in this book? Okay. We're about zero words in so far. That's fine because there's... Um, we got like all the time in the world. <laughs> this well, is a very our, short book. Our GD listeners don't have all the time in the world. They do. We're making them wait just like I was instructed to wait until after marriage from my <laughs> teen study Bible. Um, okay. So we start with um, with an Israelite couple living in Moab. Mm-hmm. And their names are Elimelech. That's the husband. It means my God is king mm-hmm. and Naomi. And apparently that is a variation of the word that means pleasant. In modern Hebrew, when you meet somebody, you say naim meod. Like very I see. Pleasant, pleased to meet you. Mm-hmm. So apparently that's what Naomi means. And they have two sons named Malone and Kilion. Uh-huh. And they each get married to Moabite women. Uh Kilion gets married. It's to... unclear whether they're tricky Moabite women or not. Yeah, it, well, they're not tricky. Mm. It's actually extremely clear. It's what the entire book. Okay, is about. I should have said as yet. It's unclear. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um, so Kilion gets married to Orpa. Now, why are you laughing? I don't know. <laughs> Orpa is Oprah's real name. Is that true? Yes, she was named after this character in oh, the Bible. Oh, interesting. But um, everybody always messed it up. So then she started just going by the Oprah. thing that people read it as. Mm. Um, not sure why someone would choose the name Orpa because A, it sounds weird. Mm-hmm. And B, this is like an extremely inconsequential character. She doesn't say or do anything. All She, she well, gets married and then... And then she leaves. She's in there for like a couple of verses. Yeah. But um, hashtag fun fact about Oprah Winfrey. 
She's actually named Orpa. Okay. Which means her company that she owns shouldn't be called Harpo, which is over backwards. It should actually be called Hapro. Hapro. <laughs> oh, if only we lived in that world. Yeah. <laughs> Everything would be different. Mm-hmm. Everything would be so much better. Um, so Naomi's husband, Elimelech, mm-hmm. dies. Um, I think before the sons get married, actually. Okay. Um, and the sons get married, but after 10 years, they die as well. They it, do. It doesn't say why, does it? Uh, I think it just says that they die. Although yeah. this could be because of a little bit of that, you know. That military back and forth. You never know. Could be they got caught in the thresher, though. Could be they got grounded by the millstone. The millstone? I don't know. The millstone we call life. <laughs> so um, <laughs> so now we're stuck with, we have three widows. Uh-huh. Naomi and her daughters-in-law. Orpa and Ruth. So the fact that they're all dead prevents them from doing that fun little death marriage roulette kind of thing that they do. You know, the death marriage roulette kind of thing. <laughs> Not going to expand on that right now. If you don't understand what that means, fuck you. Go back and listen to our previous episodes. I don't even know which one it's in. Just listen to all of them and it'll explain biblical law, re, widows, and... Uh, relatives. Yeah, so I'm going to cut our listeners a break and say the important thing is... Fuck you. <laughs> when, a, when a man dies and he leaves behind his poor bereaved wife, the most important thing is that a male family member step in and, you know, stup the wife <laughs> so that... Step and stup. The old step and stup. Mm-hmm. Step in. You step in and you stup. But they can't do that in this case. Because <laughs> so both but the brothers are dead. Mm-hmm. So um, Naomi, like she's living in Moab, but... She's from, um, well, I guess Canaan, the promised land. She's from the promised land, somewhere in the promised land. Um, So she decides to move back there now that her husband and sons are dead. So both her daughters-in-law, Naomi and Orpa, or I'm sorry, Ruth and Orpa, um, are like, no, we love you. We want to stay with you. And she's like, well, I'm not going to have any more sons. Like, Mm -hmm. you, there's, I can't provide you a, a husband. I can't provide you, like, a good life. So you should go back to your own parents right. houses and get remarried um and orpa does that she she gives a tearful goodbye they they do seem to have a really good relationship mm-hmm. then she leaves ruth on the other hand will not leave and she's like i'm with you now we're bonded for life we ride till we die yeah mm-hmm. so she follows Naomi back to Jerusalem with the implicit understanding that it will be very difficult for her as a as a moabite in in Jerusalem Oh, no, wait. It's not Jerusalem. It's Bethlehem. Bethlehem. Excuse yeah. me. Excuse me. House of bread. Yeah. Yes. Which is ironic because in Bethlehem, they don't have any bread. <laughs> That's not true, actually. Bread is going to be like a huge plot point in this Sorry, book. Sorry. I, 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 I clenched there a little bit. I was <laughs> I reached. How did you know it was House of Bread? Did you read that in a footnote? Uh, probably. Okay. You probably told me that a fucking dozen times. Oh. <laughs> when I was showing off my Hebrew skills. Mm-hmm. Beit Lechem in Hebrew. So they get to Bread House. Yeah, so they get to Bread House um, just in time for the barley harvest, mm. speaking of bread. Mm-hmm. Um, my Bible's footnotes give a really detailed breakdown of the entire barley harvesting process. Okay. Do you want to hear it? Absolutely not. <laughs> okay. Good, because it's boring. <laughs> well... But I would read it for you if you wanted. I have a sixth sense... For boring material. So um, so Ruth decides that she's going to go into the fields and glean 
any grain that's that's dropped. Right. So Naomi and Ruth get there and they're penniless, yeah. essentially. So they have to... Because like, they have no men in their lives. All their husbands are dead. All of their husbands are dead. Yes. <laughs> Both of their husbands are dead. Mm-hmm. Plus an additional husband is also dead. That's true. A bonus husband. Anyway... Ruth decides she's going to go a gleaning. So I had to look up what gleaning was. Did you know what gleaning was? I did. Um, How'd you know? I did from that that painter, the gleaners. The painter? I'm sorry. The, the painting? painting. Uh-huh. I knew from the painting, the gleaners. Ah. Um, and it just, yeah, it means like basically if you're poor, you can go into the fields and pick up shit that people accidentally drop as they're harvesting. Right. Or you go to the fields that like are overgrown or like aren't worth harvesting or whatever and you get the extra stuff yeah and that's um that's part of the law yes as set out in the torah yes it's like a it's like a real basic ancient welfare system yeah it's like you when you farm you like have to leave behind stuff so she is going she's gleaning in a field Mm -hmm. that belongs to this guy named boaz Mm -hmm. and boaz is a relative of Elimelech, who would have been her father-in-law, except that I think he was dead before she married his son. Got it. So her, like, uncle-in-law or, like, second cousin once removed in-law or something like that. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. Um, And he, Boaz, has uh-huh. heard about Ruth's devotion to her mother-in-law. Right. And that she, like, left her homeland to um, stay with her mother-in-law. Because early on a chorus... Was- sort of like a, an anonymous chorus of women was like, oh, who's that? Is that, oh my God, it's Naomi. She's back, you know? She's and, back? <laughs> she's back and better than ever. Well, no, she's not better than ever. They, they like, they're like, oh my God, I can't believe she's back, you know? She's back and worse than ever. <laughs> there we go. That's better. We'll keep that take. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so he's like really impressed with her devotion. Mm-hmm. Um, so he not only lets her keep gleaning Mm -hmm. he also like gives her lunch at midday um well he also says like you should keep gleaning on my fields yeah because you know why i like my guys here that are doing the harvesting like i trust them i'll tell them to stay away from you which is a kind of scary implication yeah explicitly he says i um he i told the men not to touch her Mm -hmm. i told the men not to touch you thank god for boaz yeah that's great yeah thanks for the reminder (laughs) (laughs) yeah that we can be raped at any time Uh uh-huh that's like when I was on a plane recently and the person, the two guys sitting next to me offered me some Cheez-Its and said, don't worry, it's only laced with cheese. <laughs> and I was like, uh. <laughs> well, it's colorful guys. I like wasn't expecting you to roofie Cheez-Its, but now I'm suspicious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. How could they degrade such a fine American product? Dude, it's a really high quality snack. This is a pro snackies podcast. So Boaz tells his boys to lay off. Yeah. And then he lays out a nice feast for her for lunchtime. He's like, come on out from the fields. You've been working so hard. You know, like you deserve to have a tasty lunch. And the lunch they lay out sounds pretty good. It's like, yeah, it's like roasted grains and shit. Uh, he says, dip some bread in this old wine. Oh, yeah. Well, like wine vinegar, mine said. Wine vinegar and, and oil on the bread. Yep. Sounds great. It's sounds a classic. Great. Classic. Yeah. It's a Mediterranean classic. <laughs> Plus, it's all organic. That's true. Um, there's no pesticides. There's no GMOs. When the table is on the farm, I mean, like... Yeah, it's this is the most farm-to-table you can get. Yeah, it's like farm and table are one. Um, and he also gives her water, mm-hmm. which is important. 
you know, but like 75% water or whatever. Got to keep that hydration level up. You certainly do. You certainly do. <laughs> Are y'all drinking enough water? Everybody? Write in and tell us how much water you're drinking. Don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> but do drink more water than you're drinking right Call now. Call your mom. <laughs> so that day she goes back to Naomi, mm-hmm. um, you know, because that's where she's living with Naomi. Um, and she's got hella gleaned barley, mm-hmm. uh, 22 liters worth, it says. Yeah, that's a lot. Notes. That's a lot. Yeah, so like 11 soda bottles of barley. <laughs> I don't know what that means, but yeah, it's enough. Mine made it clear that it was enough for several days. Oh. <laughs> um, and she, Ruth tells Naomi what happened. Um, met this great guy. His yeah. name's Boaz. And Naomi's like, oh, shit, that's Boaz. Because let me tell you, uh, he's related to my... He's got B.O. from A to Z. <laughs> That dude, it's got a smell on him. Mm-hmm. And we haven't invented deodorant yet, so I don't know what the fuck we're going to do about it. You know that Outcast album, Stanconia? It's about Boaz. It's about Boaz. Uh, no, she tells her that she's really psyched because Boaz is related to her mm-hmm. uh, dead husband, and he is a kinsman redeemer. The kinsman redeemer was responsible for protecting the interests of of needy members of the extended family. Oh, I see. E.g. to provide an heir for a brother who had died, to redeem land that a poor relative had sold outside the family, to redeem a relative who had been sold into slavery, and to avenge the killing of a relative. Hmm. I thought any I thought any relative could provide redemption. I didn't know that it was a role. Um, I mean, like, I think anyone can be one, but it's, like, designated to a person. Got it. But, I, I mean... Look, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna claim that I understand this system. So who fucking knows? All right. But look, um, my Bible does specify that uh, avenger and kinsman redeemer are translations of the same Hebrew word. Oh, interesting. So you think its function might be more on the on the vengeful side than the redemption side? Um, no, I just think that the avengers should be renamed the kinsman redeemers. Yeah. Well, the redeemers isn't a bad name. I would drop the kinsman. Well, I wouldn't. Kinsman, however, is a decent name for like a 60s style British invasion rock group. The Kinsman? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is pretty good. Or like if you have a singer, you know, like Tommy Jones and the Kinsman. Except Tommy Lee Jones? Tommy, yeah, you know. I didn't know we could sing. Yeah. He's a real song and dance man. It's uh, a triple yeah. threat. It's like Steve Martin and uh, Woody Allen and he just like tours with his band sometimes. <laughs> Tommy Lee and the Kingsman? Kinsman? Yeah. That's pretty good. <laughs> Great. Glad we could work this out. Does he do like Tin Pan Alley classics or what does he do? Uh, he does fucking uh, like biblical readings, you know, like chanting. That sounds awful. Well, that's what a kinsman what a, redeemer has just to do. Chanting. What is the what do the kinsmen do? Uh, backup chanting. Yeah, backup chanting. <laughs> Plus, they're you know playing like the shofar. They're playing the um, the like silver trumpets. Silver trumpets. Yeah. So just trumpets. Uh, no, you know, the special silver trumpets that Moses had to learn how to make. Yeah. I don't think those are real trumpets. <laughs> they don't have valves or anything? I, I don't think so. Oh. I think they just play one note. I know, I know. Do you? <sighs> no. Do you? No. How much do you know about biblical trumpets? Let's get back to Ruth. Fuck. So, Naomi is very excited that Ruth has met Boaz. Not only because he's a kinsman redeemer. But because she thinks she might spy a match. Well, that's like what a kinsman redeemer does. Oh, okay. So, <laughs> um, 
<laughs> but so Ruth keeps Ruth keeps hanging around uh, Boaz's fields, uh-huh. um, just you know, gleaning, gleaning in, gleaning out, yeah, gleaning the shit out of that barley. <laughs> That's right. And um, she even keeps gleaning into the wheat harvest. Can you believe that? Yeah, yeah. Can you believe that? Barley and wheat, mm-hmm. both. That's what they call it, the house of bread. <laughs> she's a she's a barley and a wheat kind of girl. If you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> you know what I'm saying. Um, Naomi wants Ruth to marry Boaz. Yeah. So she's going to give her some some dating advice. Uh-huh. You know, one one cool trick that daters don't want you to know about. <laughs> daters? Yeah. You know, singles in your area don't want you to know about. Why wouldn't they want you to know about Chat it? Chat with them right now. What? <laughs> we'll uh, get back to that advice after the break. <laughs> okay. Chill out. Listen to some music. We'll be back with uh, hot dating tips okay. from 1000 BC. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. Welcome back to Sunday School Dropouts. I'm Lauren. And I'm Nico. And we are talking about the Book of Ruth. So you teased us with some ancient dating advice before you before you left. You may not have said that. Um, I may have just filled in the, the blanks because I wanted to be excited about it. But I'm pretty sure I said that. Okay. <laughs> Hashtag ancient dating advice. So basically Naomi, who to recap. Basically Naomi. <laughs> um, she wants Ruth, her daughter-in-law... To get married to uh, her her dead husband's kinsman redeemer, Boaz. Uh-huh. So she gives her this advice. Um, and she says, so they're they're in the harvest, as we know. That's right. Um, they, they just finished the barley harvest. They're onto the wheat harvest. Right. And so Naomi says, tonight he will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. <laughs> you know how men get uh-huh. when they're winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Mm-hmm. Well, Boaz is a busy man. Work, 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 you know. So she says, like, get all dolled up, like, take a bath, put on perfume, wear your cute dress. Um, You know, like, wear those Your nicest gleaning outfit. Yeah, wear those little heels um, and go down there to the threshing floor, but don't let him know you're there. And when he goes to sleep on the threshing floor, apparently, Mm -hmm. um, what you want to do is uncover his feet and lie down and he will tell you what to do. That's the advice she gets. Okay, I was married to your son for like 10 years. Like, I know that's not what sex is. <laughs> <laughs> like, I I know what the birds and the bees are. <laughs> um, <laughs> I know about Deborah and Giles. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, my Bible's footnotes actually say, um, although Naomi's instructions may seem forward, the moral integrity of Naomi, Ruth, and Boaz is never in doubt. Mm-hmm. Because they're appealing to his, quote, 
kinsman obligation <laughs> and not just being slutty. So uh, I wanted to say, because this was Bibble, we know that feet never means feet, right? Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Does th- is that what your Bible says? Absolutely, yeah. She uncovers his dick? Yeah. What? Feet never mean, I mean, like, remember Zippera touching? Yeah. Touching the foreskin to Moses's feet? Yeah. Those weren't his feet. Oh, my God. So, oh, oh my God. This changes everything. Well, it doesn't change that much. Well, so she goes in it there and, it- like, and like, like, pulls his dick out, like, while he's asleep. That's like sexual so. assault. But it does have echoes of Lot, the father of the Moabites. Oh, interesting. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, I didn't realize that. That's very interesting. Well, so anyway, Ruth does this. Um, she goes and uncovers something. <laughs> some part of Boaz's body. She, we won't tell which. She found something. <laughs> um, and he wakes up in the in the middle of the night and is like, "What the my fuck? dear? Those aren't my feet." <laughs> And she's like, she's like, hey, psst, will you marry me? <laughs> Seems more like a prank than like a marriage proposal. Mm-hmm. This is like, of all like the proposal stories that you've ever heard, did any of them involve going to somebody's workplace in the middle of the night, mm-hmm. uncovering something while they're asleep, and then just being like, hey. And then just lying there? Yeah. Creepily? Yeah. Uh, no, no, they haven't. <laughs> and <laughs> Boaz, I at first I read this like him saying like, oh, "I'm really flattered, but <laughs> why don't we find you a better husband?" It's like, can we not do this at night on the I threshing floor? Was like asleep, <laughs> but I had no. my dick like inside my pants. <laughs> when his feet inside his shoes, or his dick in his shoes. I had my dick inside my shoes. I put a dick. I put a shoe on my dick I when I sh- sleep. I put a dick in my and shoes. I don't want anyone else to know that. So mm. please don't tell anyone. But he's not actually upset because of that. He's upset because, or he's not upset, but he like turns her down. Yeah, he says, "Well, there's a closer, a more closely related kinsman redeemer that, um, Has... by law, you need to marry that person, not right. me." And so Boaz pulls a little trick. Sort of. Sort of. I'm like really unclear about like if this is a trick or or not. It's not a trick. I think he's just like he knows how it's going to shake out and he like uses the law for his own his own benefit and and to like it's just it's just the right thing to do. And what he does is he calls the other kinsman, the other KR. Yeah. Kinsman Redeemer and gets him together in front of all the elders and whatever. And is like, hey, um, just so we're clear. Well, Naomi's back from Moab. Yeah. You might not have heard. Naomi's back in town. She's selling her land. Yeah, her son's land. Yeah, the the, the land that belonged to like her her husband and her sons. Right. Um, who are all dead now. And it's like it's your obligation to like purchase that land to keep it in the in the community. Another guy's like, cool, cool, yeah, yeah, I'll I'm take, ready to do yeah, that. I'll take I'll take extra land. I love cool. land. <laughs> and he's like, oh, uh, uh, one more thing. <laughs> Who oh, says that, Columbo? Uh, just one more question. Just, oh, one yeah, more just question. one. Uh, oh, that makes sense. That makes sense. And uh, you also have to marry this chick, Ruth. Uh, that's just. And he's like, "Whoa, no thanks." Because that'll like, yeah, no that'll... can do. That's gonna mess up my inheritance somehow. 
because then uh, like his he has to split the his inheritance with that of like other people's or something like his existing kids will have to be have to split the inheritance with the kid whatever kids he gets from whatever the upshot is that boaz is gonna marry ruth he's he the other guy gives a hard pass on that yeah it's like pass uh and they seal the deal by um the other kinsman redeemer giving boaz one sandal Mm -hmm. which um do that have echoes of of the sandalless family yeah the unsandaled Uh right so actually in in the actual text of the bible like not in a footnote or anything it says like that's how people used to do business as was the style in the time yeah yeah to seal a deal you put an onion on your belt (laughs) and give one sandal to the other person but in deuteronomy we had if a brother like if a kinsman redeemer basically won't marry his brother's widow that's right then that's a punishment that he gets one sandal taken away from him and his family is known as the unsandaled yeah um so it's like the same it's the same um, thing yeah the same thing except but it seems to be okay that this one kr passes on the passes on the thing it's like in one case the the, taking one sandal is like a form of shaming Uh and in one case it's a form of just that's how you do business yeah just doing business so it's weird. So maybe this is like a reflection of what the, the tradition of unsandaling like grew into, you know? Yeah, or something. Or they were just like trying to justify. They're like, okay, like we know <laughs> there's this weird custom. Yeah. It, maybe it was this. I don't know. There's a lot of talk about sandal this, unsandaled that, et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, so yeah. So Bo- Boaz marries Ruth, buys the land from Naomi, um, and... Boaz and Ruth end up having a son, mm-hmm. and everyone is really excited about this for Naomi, and like not for not for Ruth or Boaz, but just for Naomi. And they're like, "Oh, your daughter-in-law is so amazing! Like she's better than having seven sons." Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's that same chorus. That's everything. That's that same chorus of women that was like, "Naomi looks bad." <laughs> I feel like you're like maybe attributing some things to this chorus of women. That they didn't actually say. Really? I feel like you're maybe making them a little cattier than they actually were. <laughs> oh, my bad. My bad. Um, But it is weird. This baby is not actually related to Naomi by blood at all. No. In any way. I mean, unless she was like her husband's second cousin or something, which is very it's possible. Common, so. But it's her responsibility to like improve the household. Or whatever. Like, she becomes a part of her husband's household when she marries um, into it. Right. So this is, like, considered to be, like, her... Actually, they say it's, like, her son, mm-hmm. even though it's actually her, like, step-grandson or something. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Step-grandson. Um, and, and the chorus says, May your family be like that of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah. Now, this is a story that we had to cut from our Genesis episode for time. That's right. Um... But it's a weird one. It's interesting. Should we tell it? Yes. So Judah is one of Jacob's 12 sons, mm-hmm. like one of the 12 tribes of Israel. That's right. So brother to um, Joseph, brother to Benjamin, brother to Reuben and all Levi, all those, other. All yeah. those guys. Um, and in the book of Genesis, he has uh, three sons. The first one is named Ur. Mm-hmm. And Ur marries a woman, but God says that Ur is wicked. It doesn't specify why. Um, maybe he was like worshiping Baal or whatever. Probably had a stupid name. Yeah. Um, and God kills him. Mm-hmm. So now his widow 
marries the next son because that's how things work. If you're if your brother dies, then you have to take on his wife as your own. Which is kind of like a weird semi-punishment because like all of the kids that you have with your brother's widow are officially your brother's kids. Right. They're not your kids. And that's that's exactly the problem here because the second son is named Onan. And you may have heard of Onanism mm-hmm. or the sin of Onan to refer to masturbation. But what actually the sin of Onan is, is that he is having sex with his new wife, uh, his brother's widow. But... He doesn't like the fact that any children they have will will be his brothers. They'll be counted as brothers as not, and not him. Right. He's like, his. why put in the work if I'm not going to get yeah. the kids? So he always pulls out and spills his seed upon the ground. So actually, onanism is not masturbation. It's pulling out. Yep. So next time you're jerking off, remember, just be like, this is not the sin of Onan. And if that works for you, just... Thank just us. roll with it. Yeah. <laughs> just say a little prayer for us. Um, and then because he does that, God kills him uh-huh. for pulling out. So then there's a third brother and the wife should go to that brother, except that he's too young to get married. Um, and so Judah, the father, says, uh, yeah, yeah, you know, like I'll, you, I'll give him to you when, says, when yeah, he's says, old enough to get married. Says to the widow. Yeah. This, yes. The widow's named Tamar. Um, and so then Tamar gets fed up with this and she disguises herself as a shrine prostitute or a temple prostitute. Mm-hmm. And she goes up to Judah and has sex with him as like under, under the guise of a prostitute. And, um, but for her payment, she says, will, well, you, will yeah. you send me, will you send me a young lamb? Yeah. And he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah sure. And she's like, well, in the meantime, can you give me like some collateral? Right. On this young lamb that you're going to be sending me. So she asks for his like seal and his staff. Right. Because he's apparently the mayor. Yeah. He's, you know, mark. He's whatever. <laughs> Who has a seal and a staff? Well, he's, yeah, he's probably like the mayor of something. The mayor of Pope Town. Yeah. He's, I mean, he's one of the 12 tribes of Israel. So like whatever. Anyway. <laughs> so gives her... whatever. <laughs> Look, I am not qualified to talk about mayoral politics in any United States city, well, let alone... These aren't politics. These are trappings. Trappings? Mm-hmm. You're trappings. So Judah sleeps with Tamar. And then Tamar gets pregnant. Yes. And um, Judah's kinsmen come to him and say... Oh, you like your, your daughter-in-law got pregnant. And he's like, what? Put her to death. Burn her to death. Yeah. That's the That's the punishment. Except that then she's like, um, the guy who impregnated me gave me this. And she pulls out the seal and the staff and he is, he, like, his reaction is immediately, well. <laughs> yeah, he, I assume he cracks a wry smile and he's, he's like, like, oh, hey, you got me. You got me. Um, I think the exact quote in the Bible is like, mm, she is more righteous than I. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so then the the son that, that Tamar has by Judah is named. Perez or mm-hmm. Perez. So that's its own weird, very weird interlude in Genesis. It's like presented out of chronological order. Yes. And that's I think why we ended up cutting it for time in our Genesis episode. Right. Because it doesn't have anything to do with anything. Um, and it's just very weird to think about that this woman had sex with uh, two brothers and their father. <laughs> and it's also weird because like Judah keeps his youngest 
from her even when the youngest comes of age because he's like i don't want my youngest and last remaining son to marry this fucking black widow you know that's true yeah he's like <laughs> she's a curse you he's know? like my youngest son's probably gonna pull out too and then god's gonna kill him yeah um but so they have the son perez tamar bears perez and that's what they're saying to naomi that's what this chorus of women is saying to naomi in the book of ruth uh, may your family be like that of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah. Right. But it actually turns out that that's more than just metaphorical, because according to the lineage at the end of the book of Ruth... It's 10 generations from Perez to uh, the kid. Yeah. So Perez is a direct ancestor of Boaz. Right. Which makes no sense uh, chronologically. <laughs> like, Like the timing does not seem to make sense because... Many, many, many generations have passed during the Book of Judges. Maybe it's like at the very beginning of book, the Book of Judges. Who knows? Who but knows? even then, many generations are supposed to have passed between like Joseph in Egypt and Moses. And then more generations have passed between Moses and this generation. Yeah. Well, in and any then, case. And then whether they're like old, Old Testament generations of like 150 years yeah. or whether they're, they're new generations. Yeah. Well, so anyway, Perez is apparently direct ancestor of Boaz. And so Boaz and Ruth have this son, Obed. Mm -hmm. And then Obed is the father of Jesse, who's the father of David. Right. And David, of course, is King David. We're going to see a lot about him uh, later on in the Bible. And he's also an ancestor of Jesus. Mm. So this whole mess apparently leads to Jesus. Right. Well, the whole mess, and we can talk about Ruth as a whole now that we've plowed through all three pages of it <laughs> yeah also this all was six pages long and we've just spent like 45 minutes talking about six mm -hmm. pages but this whole mess is like about kind of about conversion in a weird way right because mm -hmm. there was no like official conversion like R ruth never converts or anything even though she's a moabite yeah well we certainly don't see it if she right if she converts to whatever they were calling judaism at this point in history right it's not it's not detailed but the sort of implication of the story is that even though she is a Moabite and she wasn't raised like worshiping the Israelite God and she just sort of marries into it mm -hmm. and then eventually ends up in Israel because of that arrangement, she can still be like a godly woman, yeah, you know, and like favored by God. Yeah. Obviously, because her lineage goes on to be like favored by God and yeah. turns into David. And turns into Jesus. And turns into Jesus. So I think it it's kind of this weird it's like semi-legal precedent, like partly legal precedent. Yeah. Especially because it includes gleaning and like gleaning has its has like specific mentions in the Deuteronomical laws. And so does all this like kinsman redeemer stuff. Kinsman it's redeemer all... stuff. Yeah. It's all very. Yeah. Very technical. But it's also literary in a certain sense in that it's supposed to like create some characters that link part of the story, like part of this judge's story to like the next part of the history. You yeah. Know? And. Of like of all the books we've read, mm -hmm. um, it does read the most like it's just a story. Yeah, I feel like there are a couple other stories in the in nestled within other books that are are like similar in style to this. Uh -huh. But this this being its own book and its own self contained little structure is certainly the most complete of those. Yeah, it's also interesting that like she becomes a godly woman, not even through like devotion to god like it never talks about her relationship with god or her style of worship it's true. or anything the only person that addresses god like directly in this book is naomi when and she she comes back into town back to back into breadtown 
And she says, she says, bread house, uh, bread house, excuse me. Um, bread hoe. Just, we, we call it. Bread, yeah. Bread hoe. Bread hoe. Um, she comes back into town and she's like, people are like, oh, is that Naomi? And she's like, well, I mean, you'd be better off calling me Mara because of how God has been treating me. And Mara is Hebrew Mara means, for yeah, bitter. bitter. So it went from being Naomi, which means pleasant, mm-hmm. to. Well, she's basically like, God is treating me like shit. Like both my sons died. And now and I'm, my husband. And now I'm back here with nothing, you know, which is fair enough, I guess. But it's interesting that she was, that she sort of like, you know, turned away from God or or was at least pissed enough to speak against him, but still ended up being favored. Yeah, I guess that is interesting. And and then Ruth, like, is favored just, just because of her devotion to Naomi. Yes. Not because of a devotion to God per se. Right. Which is an interesting thing because so I guess it's about like how conversion is more than just necessarily saying the right prayers or like performing the sacrifices in the correct way, confusingly. <laughs> you may be giving it too much credit. I don't okay, know. Fair enough. That was sort of the message that I got because nobody nobody even burnt anything in this book. Can you believe that? <laughs> that's true. I mean, I think that you're taking from it a message that's like like really a valuable message in modern day society mm-hmm. or like valuable message for like an individual reader to take from it mm. i don't know if that's really what the the person who wrote this meant mm. but um i think you are taking from it a valuable message oh good well it's mine and you're never getting it ah oh, crap but at the very least it establishes that like intermarriage is okay as long as everybody ends up worshiping the Israelite. yeah God. yeah <laughs> as long as we're not all skipping around the asherah pole <laughs> sure although that does sound very pleasant doesn't it nothing like a nice spring day jaunt around the asherah pole speaking of which what are you doing tomorrow you want to hit the asherah pole after that? <laughs> i hear they put one up in dolores park dude actually that would be great like they should put an asherah pole up in dolores <laughs> park like i think it would be very popular they might run into some you know separation of church and state things like they can't officially officially you know condone worship of asherah like whatever <laughs> Can I just put up my Dagon statue and we'll be done with it? Yeah, you just know? like, let me put up my little altar to Baal. Mm-hmm. Y'all are going to put the Ten Commandments in the courthouse. I'm just going to put my Dagon statue in Dolores Park. So I think it's probably about that time that we rate this book. Rate this book? Are you ready for that? Uh, Yeah. Okay. So how would you rate the Book of Ruth, a.k.a. How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Mom? <laughs> Um, I will give it um six out of seven uncovered feet. Ooh, sounds sounds good. Um, I mean, it was great because it was. <laughs> hey, <laughs> um, it was great because it was like it was short. Uh, it was like a story with a narrative through line. Mm-hmm. It was uh. You know, we didn't get bogged down in any, like, lists. True. Um, I was raised to believe that this is, like, kind of a, like, a feminist book of the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, it, not that it was ever presented to me with that word, mm-hmm. but, like, it, the... But, like, this is something for ladies. Yeah, it was, like, this is, um, yeah, this is something for the ladies. It's like Magic Mike XXL. And... <laughs> Magic Mike XXL is what heterosexuality was supposed to be <laughs> before Adam fucked everything up and blamed Eve. Um, it's an interesting theology you've constructed for yourself there. 
<laughs> and it's the only important one. Uh, peps only, please. <laughs> For the record, I am not attracted to Channing Tatum <laughs> at all. But I do find him very charming. Um, no, but it, yeah, it was like presented as, you know, woman-centric and, and as being like about what role women can have in Christianity mm-hmm. or like in the church. Um, and, you know, reading it now... That's not really what it like. It it wasn't especially feminist. Um, it was still about like men's inheritance rights. Yeah, and, and about how they're important even after they die. Yeah, like you become a piece of property, and how the women are just like vessels for the reproduction of like men's inheritance rights. Yeah. But um, but I mean, but the relationship between Ruth and Naomi is still very. I think that's very lovely. It is. Um, I mean, if you ever died, I would probably hang out with your mom. Fair enough. Um, so, so yeah, I guess I'm I'm just going to dock it like one point for, uh... Being in the Bible? <laughs> for, yeah, for not like quite living up to my, uh, feminist expectations of it. Oh. So, yeah, six out of seven uncovered quote-unquote feet. <laughs> How would you rate this book? I would give it seven out of eight sandal swap and kinsman. Oh, for a lot of the same reasons that you would. Um, it's a very nice self-contained story. I like the fact that there was no sacrifices in this one. Yeah. And especially no drama over sacrifices, the correct or incorrect way to do them, the correct or incorrect time to do them, the correct or incorrect people that are supposed to do them. Yeah. Get kind of tired of that, honestly. And God's whim seems to be less uh, less flighty in this book. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. You know, he's not like changing his mind every step of the yeah, way Yeah, he's not like interfering and being like well you thought you were cute huh yeah you turned away from me for yeah. a moment yeah. guess what's gonna happen now that's right it's it's like the intro to this book in my bible says all the characters are good you know and mm. they're almost like competing to see who's more righteous you know mm. they're just like showing respect to each other and they're like doing their best I mean, my Bible also says that, but like, they're like, righteousness is never in question. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's okay that Ruth uncovers Boaz's feet, um, which now that I know that that actually means his his two dicks. His, his donger. Yeah. Um, then that's even more impressive. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she's, like you said, she's been married before. <laughs> she knows what's up. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to dock at a point. Just because I don't think I can give it a perfect, you know, I can't just hand out eight out of eight sandal swapping kinsmen like that. You don't think it was an exquisitely wrought jewel of Hebrew narrative art? Well, I'm not denying that it was an exquisitely wrought jewel, but surely every jewel has an imperfection. (laughs) I mean, like when I read that in the like preface, I was like that really like got my expectations up. And Mm -hmm. then I was like, you know, like I. I, uh, <laughs> it's a wrought jewel, but exquisitely yeah. <laughs> wrought? I don't think so. Anyway, does that justify my choice enough? Yes. Yeah. Should I justify my love now? Um, No, we're in 2016. That's <laughs> in the past. Okay. Um, Wait, where is the song that I sh- don't have to... Mm. Shh. Sh- okay, so anyway. <laughs> uh, so was this like our favorite books thus far this is our favorite book yeah i think this is we've both given this the highest rating Mm -hmm. and um it was honestly just about like decent people like trying to do their best yeah it was kind of trying circumstances yeah it was the closest to like uh natural realism Uh like a la flaubert 
that we're going to get. <laughs> Jesus, with the MFA and you're pulling off this stuff? <laughs> <laughs> Any English major knows. First of all, his name is Flaubert. <laughs> <laughs> so we've rated the book. We talked about the book. We introduced ourselves. We tasted the book. We smelled the book. Took a break. So I think that's it. I think that's it for the show. Okay. So, everybody, here's what you can do if you want to get in touch with us. Um, We have an email address. The email address is contact at sundayschooldropouts.lol. Coincidentally... Uh, sundayschooldropouts.lol is also our website what are the what are the odds can you fucking believe that fucking believe it god uh we're also on twitter at sunschool drop Mm -hmm. lauren runs it she's very funny so you should follow it we're on facebook (laughs) i i I shut down in the face of a compliment (laughs) um we're also on Facebook. Um, I think the URL is Sunday School Drop as well, but uh-huh. you can just like search for Sunday School Dropouts. Sure. Uh, you'll know it's the right one if it has an amazing logo That's right. done by Elise Carlton of Peace Dove Smoking a Cigarette. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you to Elise for our beautiful logo. And thank you to Nico for all of our uh, music and all of our sound engineering. People keep telling us that we have good radio voices. Uh, we don't. <laughs> we sound hideous. <laughs> but Nico engineers us to sound real good. That's right. Um, so that is all for the Book of Ruth. Uh, we'll be back next week with the Book of First Samuel. And like always, um, if you have any questions or comments, please feel free to get in touch via any of the methods that we just uh, described. Or you can write a letter to our hidden P.O. box, uh, the number for which is encoded in the Bible. In the Bible. That's Do right. Do you know Kabbalah? Do you know numerology? You're going to need it. You already know the answer then. So I uh, look forward to seeing your letters and presents. And your numerological divinations. Mm-hmm. So that'll do it for us this week on Sunday School Dropouts. I'm Nico. I'm Lauren. And we will see you on Sunday. Bye. Bye. Bye.